God is good. And all the time. Oh, let me say it again. God is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. Has God been good to someone this week? Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. Therefore, receive joy. Amen. Receive strength. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Are you ready for the word tonight? Yes. I am very, very excited about what the Lord is about to do tonight. I want you to be expectant. Because God will speak to you. Uh, I sense strongly the anointing of God uh, that I believe is going to remove every burden and He's going to destroy every yoke. Uh, the thing about the word is every time the word is coming forth, the word is washing us. And when the word washes us, it makes us clean and prepares us for. God's purposes. And so I want you to be expecting tonight in Jesus' name. Alright, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4. Our foundational scripture Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4. I read, it says by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. I read it again. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm continuing with my series that I have titled Advantages of Walking in the Fear of the Lord, Part 2. Advantages of Walking in the Fear of the Lord, Part 2. We have established that God is a God who loves us. But in spite of his love for us, he still wants us to fear him. He does not want us to be familiar with him. Because anything that you are familiar with, you don't honor. Anything you are familiar with, you don't respect. Anything you are familiar with cannot bless you. As a matter of fact, where familiarity is, the anointing does not work. The anointing only works in a place where it is not familiar with the people. So the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4, it says by humility and the fear of God. So look at those two combinations. Not just humility, it has to be humility and the fear of God combined. It is by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. 
So when you walk in humility and in the fear of the Lord, these are the benefits that accrues to you. The first is riches. The second is honor. The third is life. And by the reason of God's word, those three benefits will become your portion from today in the name of Jesus. Let me hear living amen. Amen. Last week we did conclude that there are five things that happens to those who fear the Lord or those who walk in the fear of the Lord. We said number one, they are loved by God. Number one, they are loved by God. Number two, we said they are protected by God. You see, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, you don't have to be worried what the enemy is trying to do against you. Why? Because you are divinely protected by God. Number three, we said they are favored by God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, when he was born, he grew in stature and in wisdom, and he had favor with God and favor with men. That is four levels of growth. When you have favor with God, no man can disfavor you. Hallelujah. When you have favor with God, you have favor with men. The Bible says that if you are, you are at peace with God, your enemies will do you good. Hallelujah. So I see some enemies doing you good this year. I see some enemies favoring you this year. In the mighty name of Jesus. You see, it took the favor of God for the children of Israel to break the back of poverty. The Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says that, and God gave the children of Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And they went and borrowed from them gold, silver, diamond, and everything. And the Bible says that when they were leaving, they did not go empty and they spoiled the Egyptian. Now, it took the favor of God to destroy 430 years of captivity. It took the favor of God to destroy 430 years of slavery. Therefore, that same favor that came upon God's children, that caused them not to go empty, that same favor is coming upon solution. That favor is coming upon you from today. So shall it be in the name of Jesus. Number four, benefits of, of, of those who walk in the fear of the Lord is they are honored by God. They are honored by God. First Samuel chapter two, verse 30 to 32, God said to Eli, he said, those who honor me, I will honor those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So that means when we walk in the fear of God, we are honoring God and so long as we honor God, God will honor us. Listen, you don't need the honor of men. The honor of men do not last. You need the honor of God. You need the honor that is from God. And when God honors you, no devil can dishonor you. 
I said, when God honors you, no devil can dishonor you. In the mighty name of Jesus. The fifth blessing is they are blessed by God. The fifth benefit is they are blessed by God. So there are a lot of benefits in walking in the fear of the Lord. There are a lot of benefits in walking in the fear of the Lord. That's why we have to come to that place where we walk in the fear of the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want wisdom, you must walk in the fear of the Lord. You must walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, quick question we want to ask is, what is or what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord simply means to be addicted to righteousness and to be allergic to sin. To fear the Lord simply means to be addicted to righteousness and to be allergic to sin. When we say you are addicted to something, it means it will take heaven and earth to pull you from that thing. I don't know about you, but I am addicted to God. I am addicted to Jesus. I am addicted to the word of God. I am addicted to the house of God. And therefore, nothing can draw me away from the things of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we have to be addicted to righteousness. We have to be addicted to righteousness. And we have to be allergic to sin. We must not love sin more than we love God. Hallelujah. We must love God more than we love sin. There are many Christians today, you know, their conscience is seared with hot iron. They, have, they are not sensitive to sin any longer. They are not sensitive to sin any longer. They do everything and all kinds of things in the church. I just saw a news article tonight and I was shocked. I was shocked. I was shocked of things that are happening in the church. I was shocked. I can't even think about it. Things that are not happening in the world are not happening in the church. Since that the world is scared of committing the church, pastors are now committing it. I was shocked. I said, wow, is this where the church is going to? I was shocked. I can't say it here. I was shocked. If I say it, you won't believe me. I have never been that shocked before. So the fear of God is no longer in the church. Many Christians don't walk in the fear of God any longer. We watch sin. We glorify sin. We, we exonerate sin. We exalt sin. But not in this church. Amen. Not in this house. Yes. Because you are only a man. Hallelujah. So we have to be allergic to sin. We have to be allergic to sin. If you are allergic to nuts, right? 
and you eat nuts, what happens? You have rashes or your, your face is swollen and so on and so forth. It's the same way when you commit sin, you have those reactions. I don't know about you, but when I watch certain things on TV, I become very heavy. Very, very, there are some channels I don't go to on TV. Before I watch anything, I check the information. And there are certain things when you watch it, it makes you very heavy. You feel very dirty. And so I, I don't watch such channels. But you see, there are some Christians, they just sit down and then they just watch. They don't feel anything. If you are watching sin and the spirit of God doesn't prick you, then you are dead. You are not alive. You are dead to righteousness and you are alive to sin. That's why Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 says, But thou, but unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is a scepter of thy kingdom. Verse 9, thou hast loved righteousness, talking about Jesus, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So do you see the benefits of, of being in the will of God and in the center of God's righteousness? Every time you live a life of righteousness, the Bible says that God, even your God, will anoint you with the oil of gladness. He will anoint you with the oil of gladness and you will be above your fellows. Please hear me. Living a life of righteousness does not make you unwise. You know, when you live a life of righteousness, people will call you all kinds of names. They say, oh, look at you. All your colleagues are doing this. Everyone is doing this. Why are you the only one living right? Is the church yours? Is the church for your father? Are you going to carry the church to your grave? No. Listen, there is life after death. And living righteous must be popular in the church. There must be a remnant in the church who stands by the word of God. Now, do you remember when Nebuchadnezzar conquered uh, the Jews and, and took into captivity the young men? And we got to know about uh, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? Now, these were only four friends. The four or three, four, three friends that we heard of. But do you know there were many more who were enslaved? But not all of them lived for God. It was only those who lived for God who stood out. Those who did not live for God were not recognized. Listen, the time has come for us to stand for God once again. The time has come for us to stand for righteousness again. The time has come for us to exalt righteousness again. Because the only way 
God will anoint us with the oil of gladness is when we walk in righteousness. Listen, sin is a destiny destroyer. Sin will destroy your destiny. God will never, God will never go to me anywhere. If you are living in sin, right, and you receive a little blessing, it's not from God. God will never reward anyone who is living in sin. Quote me anywhere. Go through the Bible. Read the Bible. If you see anywhere someone is living in sin and was blessed, come and show me. And say, Pastor, what about grace? The Bible says, shall we continue to walk in sin because of the grace of God? And say, no, God forbid. Grace is not a license to sin. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. And I am telling you, when you walk in righteousness, you begin to see the awesome power of God's glory you will experience in your life. I love one thing that Abraham said when he went to war. The king of Egypt wanted to give him some things from the war. And Abraham said, no, I have lifted up my hands to God that I will not take anything from you so that when I am blessed, you will say it was you who blessed me, who made me what you are. No, the time has come for God to receive all the glory. I said the time has come for God to receive what? All the glory, not man. That's why we sing that song. All the glory must be to the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. No man on earth should receive the global All the glory must be to the Lord. The glory must be to the Lord. The glory must be to the Lord. Not to man. That's why you must stand for God. When God does it, you say, this is the doing of the Lord. And therefore, it is marvelous in our eyes. And solution, we have come to that season where we'll see the hand of God in our midst. I said, we'll see the mighty hand of God in our midst. We'll see God doing it. And men will stand outside. They say, we thought they couldn't do it. But they'll say, ah, this is the doing of the Lord. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a praise. Let's give Jesus a praise. Because all the glory, all the glory must be to him. Not to man. No man can take the glory of the testimonies God is giving you in this house. It's God. No man. We had a testimony here before of one of our dear sisters who was uh, looking for a reference to be done and, and it wasn't done, but the people receive a reference. No man can receive that glory. It goes to God. If somebody comes to testify that they are healed, can any man heal anybody? No, it's, it's God. All the glory must be to the Lord. So stand in righteousness. Hallelujah. Stand in righteousness. 
Someone was asking me, say, so what do you do when this and this and this is happening? I said, nothing. Because the church belongs to God. (laughs) It's the church of Jesus Christ. And he said, no gates of hell shall prevail against his church. It is his church. Why do you want to fight for somebody else's fight? It is his battle. Come on now. So just live right. Walk right. Let your heart be right. Be righteous. Love righteousness. You know, today, from today, I'm going to pray for you that when you see sin, you you react to sin. You will be allergic to sin. There's a man who long ago, long ago he used to smoke as a pastor I want to stop smoking pray for me I said when I pray for you and you smoke again you start feeling sick I said yes pastor pray for me, I prayed for him to stop smoking the following time he went back to the smoke guess what happened he nearly died nearly and since then he never touched cigarette again after today you will be allergic to sin I said after today you will be allergic to sin because you see sin will not profit you sin will destroy your destiny sin will destroy your destiny you will be allergic when I say allergic when you see sin sin will be stinking that you will run away from sin hallelujah why because God's secrets are only revealed to those who fear him hear me God's secrets are only revealed to those who who do what fear him there's more for you in God than in the world That's why Psalm 25 verse 14 it says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with who? Them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord. I wish you you could get this. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Now, do you, do you understand the magnitude of this verse? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. What God is basically saying is that his secret is only revealed to those who fear him. Can you imagine God, the whole God, comes to you because you fear him and say, I'm going to reveal my secret to you. When you go to a successful man, what's the first question you ask? What is the secret to your success? Who is more successful than God? Who is more successful than God? No one. So the Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. 
and he will reveal his covenant to them. He will show them his covenant. From today, you'll be a custodian of God's secrets. That's why God said, can I do anything without first revealing it to Abraham, my friend? From today, you not only sing the song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. No, no, you don't just sing it as a song. You truly be a friend of God. You truly be a friend of God. He will reveal secrets to you. There are things God cannot do here on earth without first revealing it to you. The day before the incident happened in Manchester, the night, just around that time, about nine, there about, I was feeling, I don't know, I was looking for a scripture. I was looking for a scripture just to, just to put out there and I started feeling very uncomfortable. I was like, what's happening here? And then all of a sudden, guess the scripture God gave me, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it in abundance. Under no circumstances I was looking for that scripture. But why? The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is revealed to those that fear him. Very soon, God will entrust into your hand Incidents that are going to be happening globally. Before it happens, God will reveal it to you. God will tell you this is what's going to happen, so I'm entrusting you with this secret. I want you to share it with the world. Hallelujah. Advantages of walking in the fear of the Lord. There are a lot of advantages, my dear brothers and sisters. You'll never be at a disadvantage walking in the fear of the Lord. Never. Did you hear me? You'll never be at a disadvantage walking in the fear of the Lord. Never. If somebody tells you, that's a lie. If somebody tells you opposite, it's a lie. It's not true. Now, please hear me. If you fear God, you'll hate these five destiny destroyers. If you fear God, you'll hate these five destiny destroyers. And they are all in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. I read, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The five things there that are destiny destroyers that if you fear God, you must run very far away from. Number one is you must hate evil. Hate evil hate evil. Even if it's in your power to do your enemies evil, 
Don't do it. Did you hear me? Even if it's in your power to do your enemies evil, don't do them evil. Now, someone like Joseph, he had the greatest opportunity to kill his brothers. Isn't that right? He had the greatest opportunity to kill them because of what they did to him. But he forgave them. So you must hate evil. You cannot fear God or you cannot walk in the fear of God and love evil. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't gel. It doesn't flow together. You cannot say, you know, you cannot say you fear God and, and love evil. And be an evil doer. No, you can't. Number two. Number two, destiny destroyer you must hate is you must hate pride. <laughs> you heard the saying, pride comes before a what? A fall. You must hate pride. Many people have destroyed their destiny because of what? Pride. And what is pride? Pride is when you think you are more better than your neighbor. Now look at, look at what Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says. Very, very interesting scripture. It talks about we all having received the same measure of grace. Sorry, the same measure of faith. Right? But look at it in detail. It says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Now, when you start thinking of yourself more highly, that is pride. Did you see that? He said not to think of himself of more highly than he ought to, but to think what? Soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. In other words, what the Bible is saying is that don't use your faith to boast. Don't say, I have more faith than, faith than my sister or my brother. Don't use the faith God has given you to boast. Why? Because we all have the same measure of faith. At salvation, we are given the same measure of faith. So it's important for us to hate pride. Let me say this. There is pride in everyone. There is pride in everyone. But guess what? Material things or money or finances or wealth amplifies your pride. So the secret to remaining humble is the more blessed you are, the more intentional you have to keep yourself humble. You have to be careful. The more God lifts you up, the more you have to intentionally keep yourself humble. 
The more gifted you think you are, the more you have to keep yourself humble. Other than that, that gift will destroy you. And we have seen it many times. Name them Michael Jackson. Name them Whitney Houston. Name them Prince. Name them. You can name them. A lot of them. The same gift. That came from God. They thought it is theirs. And they became proud, arrogant, and they were destroyed. The third destiny destroyer that you must hate is you must hate arrogance. Arrogance. Don't be an arrogant Christian. (laughs) No matter your wealth, when you come to the church, and you are directed to sit somewhere. Don't be arrogant. Don't say, Do you, does that usher know who I am? Who are you? <laughs> the Bible says that man is just like a vapor that appeared for a while and vanishes away. You are just a vapor. Who made you rich? It's God. Who blessed you with that talent? It's God. So, don't be arrogant. Do you know who I am? Who are you? Who are you? When you come to the church and you couldn't hold the microphone upside down. You used to hold the microphone upside down. You know, when we give you the microphone to sing, Pastor, I can't sing. Pastor, I don't have the voice. And you turn the microphone upside down. And we help you to learn how to hold the microphone. To now begin to sing. You have an angelic voice. And then you become arrogant. Why will you become arrogant all of a sudden? And you want to use your little gift. Forgetting who gave you the opportunity. Listen, there are many gifted people out there. But they don't have anybody to give them opportunity to showcase their gift. Sometimes the best players are sitting on the bench. (laughs) It is the coach that gives you opportunity Ronaldo or Messi to showcase your skills on the field. So don't think it's all about your skills. I scored 10 goals. I scored 200 goals. But without the coach, you are nothing. So you have to understand the importance of valuing and appreciating those who give you an opportunity. You must never forget in life. Never forget. Never become arrogant to the point of forgetting. Forgetting. Never forget. Don't forget the person that led you to Christ. Never forget. The lady who led me to Christ, I will never forget her. I've always preached and I always talk about her. Never forget the one who led you to Christ. Never forget the one who blessed your marriage. 
Never forget the one who dedicated your children. Never forget the one who baptized you in water. Never forget the pastor who lays hands on you and bless you and you became a blessing. Today, favor has come and you have become arrogant. It's a destiny destroyer. Number four, destiny destroyer is hate every evil way. Every evil way. You must hate every evil way. What is an evil way? An evil way is a gathering of evil doers. An evil way is a gathering of what? Evil doers. Where there is evil, they gather. Let's gather and do evil. Let's plan evil about this sister. Let's plan evil about that brother. Let's plan evil about that church. Every evil way you must hate. You must hate anything that is evil. Every evil way. You must not be found on the address of evil ways. Number five is you must hate forward mouth. You must hate forward mouth. Anyone who has a forward mouth is one who is difficult to be dealt with. People who have forward mouth, they are difficult to be dealt with. Their mouth are very slippery. You have to be careful what you say to them. You say, hello, how are you? And they'll go and say to somebody else, you said this, you said that, you said that, you said that. You have to be careful of such people. They're very difficult to deal with. Always lying. You stand with them for two minutes. They say, hello, how are you? How is your son? (laughs) That's all you say. Hello, how are you? How is your son? And when they leave, I said, did you see us standing there? Do you know what he was saying? He was saying this. He said that. He said this. He said this about you. He said, hey. So such people, when I see them, I don't, I don't go close to them. You're right. You're right. High five. Bye. That's it. Don't stand with them for even one minute. 30 seconds is too much. <laughs> Because they are looking for us. So such people, you know, when you are going to talk to them, you must have a witness. <laughs> you, must, you must have a witness or else ah, you'll be in trouble. Did you just hear what the pastor said? Hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell him. This is what pastor said. Don't tell anybody I told you. <laughs> Forward mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you receiving something out of this? I said after today, you will see the blessing come upon you. In the name of Jesus. Listen, God is looking for men and women who are right to bless them. Never receive any blessing from the devil. Because any blessing the devil gives you, it comes with sorrow. It comes with what? Sorrow. Sorrow. And that sorrow you will regret tomorrow. 
That's why Proverbs 10, 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no what? No sorrow. The opposite is true. When the devil blesses you, and you know the devil can also bless. Remember Matthew chapter 4, from verse 4, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and started tempting Jesus and said, look, when you bow down to me, I'll give you all this. So the devil also can give stuff. The devil also can give stuff. But his giving of stuff comes with consequences. <laughs> so be careful who, who you are dealing with. Be careful. If you're a pastor and you're looking for your church to grow big now, boom. Yeah, you go to the devil, he'll give you. He'll give you, he'll give you his men and women. He also have members. <laughs> He'll fill the church with his members. Yeah. He will. You see that church grows big. Boom. And then one day you are there and then you hear sad news. The pastor just died mysteriously. Because you've made a, a covenant with the devil and he's coming for repayment and he needs your life. God can grow the church without the help of man. The Bible says wherever Jesus was, there were great gathering. So the, the ministry of Jesus is a ministry of increase. It's a ministry of growth. It's a ministry of multiplication. And that is the ministry that we are in. This is a ministry built on Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. The foundation is no man. That's why from today, you begin to see great multitudes gather in this church. A greater dimension. Someone say, what is happening there? It's the word. Jesus is there. And where there is Jesus, multitudes gather. We'll see it. We'll see it beginning this Sunday. We'll begin to see great multitudes. People that were not invited, they'll begin to come. God will begin to drop them in. Hundreds, in their hundreds, in their thousands, in their tens of thousands. So shall it be. I said, so shall it be. In the name of Jesus. Where there is honey, and to gather. If you like, pour honey here on the floor. You say there are no ants in your house. There are no ants in the UK. But just pour honey on the floor. You see them. They will come. Nobody is going to tell them there's honey here. They will just line up, come in. And the honey of the word is in solution. Amen. Therefore, the mega multitudes are coming. In the mighty name of Jesus, because we are a church that fears the Lord. We walk in the fear of God. I walk in the fear of God. I've never broken anybody's church before. When I go out evangelizing and I see people, I say, Oh, I go to this church. I take back the fly. I say, No, you don't need to come to this church. Stay in that church. I've never broken anybody's church. 
You want to build your home, you are coming to take blocks from here to build yours. And you think that is God? Your foundation is already broken. If you believe God has called you, start like I started. Two adults, one child. And with time, God has increased it based on our faithfulness. Now, you want to start, you want to come and take block from, from already built house to go and build yours. You want to collapse somebody's one to build yours and you think yours will start. Come on now. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. You reap what you sow. It's not a curse. It's a blessing scripture. You reap and when you are reaping, you reap a thousand times more. You reap more than you sow. When you put a corn in and you are reaping, you reap more than one corn. I hope you know that. So don't, don't go breaking somebody's, you know, you want to break somebody's marriage to build yours and you want yours to stand, it will not stand. If you are a young girl, you want to go and break somebody's marriage. Say, I like, I like, I like this man, you know, he takes care of me, you know. He's the kind of man I want. Go get yours. Go get your own. I said, go get your own. If you're a man, you come near my wife, your eyes will your eyes. Your eyes. I'll pray you'll never see again. You go blind for the rest of your life. And nobody can pray for the restoration of that eyes. Because I am, God said I must keep my garden. I must dress my garden and keep it. I'm dressing my garden. You like it? Dress yours. You think, you think, you think uh, uh, roses just grows in gardens? No, it is planted intentionally. If you don't grow it, weeds will grow. So it's grown intentionally. He said, oh, I, I, I like pasta. Pasta is very nice. <laughs> oh, I like, I like the way he dresses. Oh, his suit, he wears nice ties. He wears nice shoes. Oh. It's taking my wife years to get me where I am. <laughs> so go, go get your own. Go get your own. This one is somebody's own. It's taking my wife years to get me to where I am now. You have no idea. I used to mix my colors. I used to wear yellow tie on red shirt. <laughs> oh, mercy, Lord. Mercy. Mercy. And you now think you see her. I say, oh, wow. He has color sense. Yeah? <laughs> anyway. Hallelujah. Where are we? Where are we? Let's keep, let's keep on our studies. Hallelujah. But the bottom line is, if you like something, if you see the grass green that side, that means the owners have taken time to water it. Yeah. This is why I'm in the church every Thursday, every Sunday, every weekday I'm here. 
You don't think I also deserve a holiday? I know you go on holiday. Since we started, I've never been on holiday. Since we started the ministry, every time, every there's no Sunday, no Sunday that I have never been in the house of God before. No Sunday or no weekday that I'm on a beach of Barbados basking on the sun. And then when God begins to bless these people, you think it just happened. No, it's taken years. Years of constantly teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. And then when they become great, you come and you see it. You say, I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. Really? They didn't just get to where they are. It's taken years of prayer, of studying, of preparation, of teaching them to become mighty men and mighty women of valor. Are you getting something out of this? Are you getting excited about this series? Hallelujah! Am I the only one getting excited? Hallelujah! Quickly as we get ready to close, let us examine two striking similarities in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. This will provoke you and will help you to live in the fear of the Lord. Are you ready? Hopefully time will permit us, but if it doesn't, we'll end somewhere and we'll continue next week. First Samuel chapter 2 1 Samuel chapter 2 from verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Are you there? 1 Samuel chapter 2 from verse 12. Now, I want you to understand something very important about the background of this scripture. The background of this scripture has to do with Eli one of the greatest prophets who had two sons and his sons were serving in the church. Now remember, in those days, when you are a priest, your children also can become priests because in those days, the priesthood is only from the Levites. So once you are born a Levite, when you are a priest, you, your sons, all become priests. Your whole family becomes priests. But something started to happen in the house of God which was being perpetrated by the children of the high priest. I want you to follow me. So from verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Bible says that now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. And they knew not the Lord. So they were priests in the house, yet they were not sons of the prophet or sons of the priest. Rather, they were sons of the devil. They were working in the house, but they were classified as sons of Belial. The word Belial there means the son of the devil. So they were not actually the sons of Eli, but they were sons of Belial. 
But they were working where? In the house of the Lord. They were serving in the church. They were pastors in the church. They were leaders in the church. They were deacons in the church. They were prophets, apostles, bishops in the church. The Bible says that, and they knew not the Lord. So that means you can work for God and not know him. Not knowing him there means they didn't have a personal relationship with him. They just saw it as a profession. They do all the tricks, the gimmicks. They release the smoke and we think it's the glory, but it's not the glory. The sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. Verse 13, and the priest custom, listen carefully, the priest custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in their hand. So notice the custom in the house of God in those days. The custom was that when people give an offering, there were servants of the priest who hold three hook. In those days, they were not giving money as offering. What they were giving were animals, you know, you know, goats, cow, you know, they kill it, they bring it as an offering, or they'll bring a live goat, or a live cow, or a live chicken as an offering, and so on and so forth. But the only way God will receive this offering is it has to be cooked. It has to be prepared. So when the sweet-smelling savor goes to heaven, then that means the offering is acceptable. But look at something very important. The Bible says that they will take the flesh hook and put it, verse 14, and he struck it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So it's like a, a trying and error thing. Are you following me? Because the, the servants of the priest are not permitted to look in the pot because it's a very big pot. They're not permitted to look in the pot. So they just throw their hook in there and then whatever the hook brings up is the priest's portion. Are you following me? Now let me give you, let me bring it to our, our modern day and explain this in in contest. For instance, when we come to church, we give an offering, right? Now, after we give an offering, according to this custom, the pastor must go or send his servants to the people who collect the offering and dig their hands in the offering bowl and take out whatever they can have access to. That belongs to the pastor. According to the custom, that was what was happening. That was what was happening. But for instance, in our church, our custom is no pastor is permitted to touch the offering of the church because it's not ours. No pastor is even permitted to count offering in this church. No pastor is permitted to have access to the offering and take it to their house because it is not ours. I've never counted an offering in this church. 
Never. Never. Even from the day we started. I've never counted like church offering and counted 10, 20, 50, 100,000. I've never. So our procedure is every titan offering that comes, it goes straight into the church bank account. And there are responsible men and women who handle that. We call them financial stewards. They are responsible for that. Now, if I, the pastor, the senior pastor, the founder, goes behind to break the custom, and after tithes and offering has been taken, I go to the financial stewards and I say, okay, today how much was the offering and tithes, whatever it is, give it to me. I put it in my pocket and I go. I have violated the house of God. Are you following me? I have violated the house of God. I have violated the things of God. And what that does is it brings a curse. Follow me carefully. So look at the custom that was in place. And now look at verse 14 and look what was happening. It says, and he struck the pan. And whatever the fish hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So did they in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came hither. So that was the acceptable custom in the house of God in those days. Look at verse 15. Also before they bent the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to, to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee but raw. So look at the custom that is in place. These are the approved custom in place in the house of God. But jump with me to verse 16. Look at verse 16. Now the sons of Eli are now coming into the picture and look at what they are going to do. It says, if any man said unto him, let them not fail to bend the fat perfectly and then take as much as thy soul desired, then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it me now and if not, I'll take it by force. Verse 14, wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now look at what's happening. The sons of Eli are changing the, the procedure in place for the offering in the house of God. They are saying, no, we are not going to follow the protocol. We are not going to follow the laid down rules. After the tithes and offering is taken, we go straight to the financial stewards. We take whatever is there and we take it home. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. They took it by force. Now jump with me to verse 22. Verse 22. The Bible says that. Now Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. And how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, look at what's happening in the church. Can you see what's happening in the church? The sons of Eli 
were doing their own business with the women at the entrance of the tabernacle of the church. In the house of God, they changed the rule. They did what they think they wanted to do. There are no fear of God in them. There are no fear of their father. And they were, they assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they will lay with the women publicly. Publicly. When people are coming to church, they can see everything at the entrance. That's the highest level of abomination. This is exactly what I saw today on that news item. Exactly. But this one was not outside the church. It was inside a pastor. This one. I prepared this message long ago to preach today and I saw it today. I saw this today. A so-called man of God in the house of God. With people there. With church members there. (laughs) We are in the end times of the end time. The sons of Eli were doing it at the entrance. Publicly, no shame. You know, dogs, dogs have no shame. Animals have no shame. Public spectacle. This is where the sons of the priest have come to. That's why if you're a married woman and any man pastor say, oh, you're looking for a child. Come, I'll bath you secretly somewhere. It's a devil. It's a devil. No matter the miracle you are looking for, if any male pastor tells you, come, secret address, secret location, ah, that's the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil. Any pastor who says, come to this hotel number, so, so, and so, room 419, is going to do you 419. He's <laughs> going to do, it's, how can you say room 419? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Very important. And you see, the church is not matured. It is sad. There are people in the church who are not matured, who believe anything a so-called prophet tells them. God said, I heard the Lord said. The Bible says that in the last days, even the very elect will be deceived. So pray, I don't know whether you are among the elect, but I say the very elect. Do you know what it means, the very elect? The very elect are those who have the highest level of faith, who have gone through all the tests and have passed. But it says, even them, they will be deceived. How much more you, who only relies on a pastor to open the Bible and teach before you open yours? So you better wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Because there will be so much deception in the church. And it's already here. It's already here. It's all kinds of rituals are going on in the church. It's already here. And men and women have itchy ears. 
prophet, what is the Lord saying? You don't need no prophet to tell you what the Lord is saying. You have the sure word of prophecy. Just open it. Stop being lazy. Always on social media. You don't read the word. Always watching movies. You don't read the word. So, you see, the Christian of today, they are very lazy. They are very, very, very lazy. I was witnessing to someone today and then she would quote a scripture and say, why don't you open the Bible? When she quote uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, I'll just tell her what is there. I said, I open this. I said, I don't need to open. I already know. It's in my heart. I don't need to open the Bible. The Bible is here. It's in my heart. We have to rise up. We have to fear God. This is what is happening in the church. Look at what they were doing at the entrance of the church. Verse 23. The Bible says that 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 23. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all these people. This is Eli telling his children. It says, Nay, my sons, for it is not good report that I hear. Ye make, ye make the Lord's house to transgress. He said, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord will slay them. Now, what their father was saying is that, that if you sin against man, God will forgive you. God will judge. Now, if you sin against God, who is going to forgive you? They had no fear. You see, people who have no fear, they sin against God. They sin against God. They, 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 they do. <laughs> Church, we need to wake up. We're in the last days of the last days. We need to wake up. The Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. Men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. They'll love the world more than they'll love God. They'll love the world more than they'll love the house of God. Yeah, we can see it. But I pray for you that you will not fall away. You'll be rooted. You'll be grounded in the faith. Because it's only those who endure to the end shall be crowned. Look at what the sons of the priests were doing. These were priests. They were desecrating the house of God. When you come to the house of God, what do you do? How do you behave? When you're given an opportunity to serve, are you coming to do showmanship? Or you are honoring God? When you're asked to, you see, there, there hasn't been any day, single day, since God called me. And in all humility, I studied the word a lot. That I have never prepared a message to stand before God's people to preach. Never a day. There's no single day that I come and say, okay, uh, let's turn to um, um, 
Isaiah 23. Uh, oh, no, no, no. John, John, John 23. John, John 23. The Spirit is just changing the message today. I feel the Spirit of God changing. The Spirit is just, you know, we have to follow the Spirit. study all the time because I don't take it for granted. I have to study, hear from God, come and teach what he's asked me to teach. And you see, sadly, many people want gimmicks. They want gimmicks. They want to come and see the pastor doing gimmicks. No. It's not gimmicks that will save you. It's your knowledge of the word that will save you. And you'll be shocked that even in this case, there were great multitudes going to that church. I say, oh, forget, we don't care what the pastor does. It's his own cup of tea. We don't care. As for us, we want a miracle. <laughs> Prophesy. Go deeper. <laughs> Go deeper. What is the Lord say? Go deeper. <laughs> yeah. I know some of you go there. You have these professional prophets and say, oh, as for my man of God, he just comes and open the word and he's teaching line upon line, teaching, 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 teaching. <laughs> Sometimes we need miracle. We need prophecy, pastor. We need, I need to know what God is saying in them. No, you don't need. Even pastor said it. The Bible says Jesus said he gave gifts. He gave some prophets. So you know, sometimes you have to do prophet a little bit. You have to do pastor a little bit. You have to do. <laughs> yeah, so you you have professional prophets where you give your tithes and your offerings. Say, prophet, what is the Lord saying today? Prophet, go deeper. Go deeper where? <laughs> You are shallow. You are very shallow. It's only shallow people who want somebody to go deeper for them. You are shallow. Shallow. Go deeper. Go deeper where? (laughs) You are very shallow. You are a shallow Christian. What is the Lord saying? And we see gimmicks in the church. We see deception and people like it. And you see multitudes. And such people, they come, they don't even open the Bible. They don't, they've just come from their girlfriend's room. A prophet come from a girlfriend's room and come, hey, okay, fall, 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 boom. And we think the anointing is in falling. It's sad. It is sad. In the last days of the last days, many, this were, you see, these things are not new. What you see happening in the body of Christ today is not new. Trust me, there is nothing new. There is nothing new. It happened before, it will happen again and again and again. That's why when you read, when you read, uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 Jesus said by their fruits you shall know them 
And then when you read further, many came and said, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There's no more fear in the body of Christ. You say, Pastor, but he is using the name of Jesus. Everybody or anyone can use the name of Jesus and it will work for them. The name of Jesus is a key. If somebody takes your car key now, goes out, put the keys in your car and start it, your car will not say, hey, you are not mine, you are not my owner, you are not, the car will respond. The name Jesus is a key. Even the devils can use it. So the fact that somebody is using the name of Jesus and you see multitudes doesn't mean it's of God. Jesus said, depart from me, ye workers of what? Iniquity. That means they did what they did in the name of Jesus. The name is a key. It responds to anyone and everyone that uses it right. That's why it says, anyone, art says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone. There's no discrimination. Young, old, devil, godly, anyone. Hallelujah. We must bring back the fear of God into the house of God. Hallelujah. Are you following me, church? Are you getting this? Let's wake up. Don't just be a Sunday Christian. Don't just be a Christian that only opens your Bible when your pastor opens it. You come to church, let's turn to, and then you turn it. Be a Christian. Have your own personal time of study. Study the word for yourself. As a matter of fact, before you come to church, you should know what the pastor is going to teach. So that when he opens, you already know. He only comes to confirm what God has already taught you. They say, you know, solution when you go is just word. You know, just word. You know, word. You know, pastor must sometimes prophesy. You know, pastor must do deliverance sometimes. Pastor, you know when you when you put a bottle of oil that you put is come from Israel, you know, people buy it, you know. They'll buy it. Because they lack knowledge. Next week we'll contrast the New Testament with the Old Testament. The same thing, this same incident that happened in the Old Testament happened in the New Testament. So you're not going to say it's only the Old Testament. No, it's happening. And you'll see it for yourself. That even in the New Testament, there's no fear of God in the church. There's no fear. People can look at their pastor's face and lie. No fear. They'll lie, they'll lie, they'll lie. But God have mercy on us. God help us to walk in his fear because there are many advantages of walking in the fear of the Lord. Listen, I'm not teaching this to, to put you down. This is to help you come to that level of where God wants you to be 
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Did you receive it today? Why don't we give Jesus a better praise? Let's show that we really receive this. Let's show him that we really love the word. The word excites us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's rise up on our feet. Let's lift up our hands towards heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring your sons and your daughters before you. I ask, oh God, that they will walk in your fear. That none in this church will become familiar with you any longer. We will handle the things of God with great fear and reverence. Thank you for revealing your truth unto us. We give you praise. We honor you because you are a faithful God. There is none that can be compared unto you. Father, help us never to be deceived by anyone. Help us to know you for ourselves. Because your word says that those who know you, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. That's why Paul said that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. Help us to know you, Lord. Help us to know you. May we not have itchy ears. May we walk in your ways. May we walk in your word. May we be children that fears you, that honors you. In the name of Jesus. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 This is just part two. Two more parts to come. I'm going to be showing you some major benefits that comes with working in the fear of the Lord. You will see that everything the devil has given you in time past cannot be compared to the joy that God has in store for you when you work in his fear. Listen, this is a very hard teaching. But because I love God and I obey God and I love you, I have to obey God and teach what he has given me. And as you walk in the will of God, your life will go up higher and higher.